What's up, everybody? You're listening to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. I am Farley Betts. We're hitting at 57% against the spread in the NFL this season. We're going to go over the NFL season a little bit and, of course, tackle the NFL wild card weekend. Let's go! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. I'm kind of low-key, really happy, content, a sigh of relief, if you will, that the NFL regular season is over because now we can tackle the NFL playoffs. Ah, Six games this weekend. What is it? Four games next weekend. That's nice. That's nice to be able to dive deep into some of these games and not have... uh, all the uh, volatility and variance and variety that we see every week in the crazy zany NFL. My name is Chris R. Farley, a.k.a. at Farley Bets on Twitter. You might have seen some of my successes in the past, especially, not especially, especially in the NBA and the NFL. And it's a pleasure always to be with all of you. I have a really great cadre of loyal followers, a cult following if you will, to lay in the points with Farley Betts. And I appreciate your listenership every single week. I appreciate those on Twitter who aren't just assholes for no reason, because if I met any of you assholes in real life, I know, I know you wouldn't say that shit that you say to my face. God, there's a lot of pussies in this world, isn't there? Can I say that on my own podcast? You're damn right I can. Anyway, it's week 19 because it's the wild card weekend in the NFL. And before I get to the wild card weekend games, we're going to talk NFL season. Okay. We're going to talk things that I got wrong, things that I got right, and things, well, teams that I think we should be looking at, things to watch for next season, things that we don't want to forget before the start of next season. Of course, you know, you got to take into account the draft, free agency, coaching changes, everything that happens before the next NFL season. But there are some very clear indicators of where some of these teams might be headed or or more about who they really are, right? We learn that every year and we should not forget some of those lessons in DNA that we've learned from this NFL season. First, I'll just talk about my NFL results. Overall, 74 and 54 and 4 against the spread plus 19 units. That's 57%. As far as spread bets go, 57%. We will take that 100 times out of 100. The NFL is tough. Uh, you know, that's not going to win me a contest, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a lot of money to my bank account as it has for my premium customers. You can always sign up, by the way, with Farley Bets. Just send me a DM on Twitter and we'll get you enrolled and listed. A part of my Email list serve to get my premium picks in the NFL and NBA. But 57% is a mark that I aim for in all sports because it's really hard to do. But I feel like that is kind of the precipice of elite betting, right? Now, a lot of my other bets, totals used to be fantastic. At one point, I was hitting 58% in my totals, 60%, I think. I've really devolved the, the back half of the season in totals. I think I just took too many shots. Definitely took too many overs and what's been a very under NFL season, right? Uh, uh, the under heavy, if you will. Uh, 
Teasers really too. Teasers historically have been fantastic for me. Minus four and a half units in my teasers this year. Money line plays when I want to take a shot on the money line. Minus 10 units in that category. So some of these other categories like props, parlays, uh, money line plays, alt lines, teasers. I haven't been very efficient. And this season is teaching me, hey, Chris, hey, dumbass, hey, Farley bets. Stick to against the spread, right? Stick to picking these teams because that's really what you do best. And you, I could, you know, I could uh, flower in some of these other bets. Sure, of course, I'm going to want to do that from time to time. But I really encourage everybody listening to this show, learn from me. You know, I've been doing this for a long time now. We won in Circa back in 2021. Uh, you know, you might have seen that on my profile. I don't like to talk about that too much anymore. It's two years ago, right? Two, three years ago. But uh, like, I, I know what I'm doing. And I still make a lot of mistakes as a professional better. I'm not going to sit here, stand here and say that, uh, you know, everything that comes out of my mouth is, is just, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's gold. You know, I, I know uh, that's not true. This is betting. This is gambling. And to assess yourself and your proclivities, your tendencies is in my opinion, the biggest part of being a successful sports better. Forget about the sport, right? Forget about the players. Forget about the teams. Assess yourself in the areas that you excel at. Maybe if it's a, a part of the season you excel at, like in the very mid part of the season, we were crushing it from, from about weeks six to 12, I, I believe, um, offhand anyway. I've got those records somewhere else. Uh, you know, but clearly some of these, you know, you know like props and uh, money line and even, even uh, totals to an extent, I, I have to lessen that load, right? I have to bet that less, fewer times the next NFL season. Uh, now, you know, this could have been an anomaly season in a lot of ways. I've had success in those other bets before. But the point is just watch what you're doing, right? Observe your own tendencies uh, because at the end of the day, you're the one putting your own money on the counter, right? Or, or on your phone uh, from home on your couch. You're the one saying, I'm betting 100, 500, 1,000, 50, 10, whatever. No, human, no unit shaming here. But assess yourself and your own, ten, your own tendencies. So, so on the season, we're relatively even, which is disappointing for me so far because I've done so well against the spread. But we have the playoffs to increase our overall unit count. And believe me, we will. What I got wrong this year and what I got right. Let's start with probably the biggest thing I got wrong. C.J. Stroud. Now, admittedly, I didn't watch hours of tape on this kid, like in his you know combine. And of course, I saw him play in college. But he had some real moxie, right? He had some real confidence. And I'm thinking this kid's going to the Texans. Uh, not a lot of great wide receiver talent over there. You know, uh, talks a big game and clearly has some really like raw arm talent. But the intangibles on the field, right? Like to to come into your rookie season and to be that confident. I was like, this kid's going to this kid's going to learn something, right? He's going to be a little humbled. Well, CJ Stroud humbled my ass. Um, because that kid who I will talk about a few times on this show, he is the real deal. And I, I'm not telling you anything saying that, right? But CJ Stroud, from a physical, raw talent perspective to his intangibles, like the way he talks to the media, the things he says, he called Tom Brady asking him for advice. This is a kid to bet on, probably a kid to bet on this weekend if you can find a way to. Um, and you know, CJ Stroud is, is the truth and he's elevating everybody on that offense, right? We're seeing their run game work better. Wide receivers like Tank Dell and Noah Brown really kind of coming out on the scene and saying, Hey, you know, Hey, I, I'm a pretty damn good receiver. 
and I have a pretty damn good quarterback throwing it to me who can who can cultivate my skills. And that makes a team excited, right? Like, what do you see with any team? If the wide receivers are pissed off, that offense is probably not going to work really well. The wide receivers are eating, feasting for the Texans. Um, so CJ Stroud, I was dead wrong about you, my friend. You are the truth. The Patriots and Mac Jones. Listen, I I was a little higher on Mac Jones than most people. Just, you know, his rookie season, he was really good. Um, I liked his tenacity. You know, it kind of seemed like he fit that profile of maybe not the most physically gifted quarterback, but he has the intangibles. He studies hard. He believes in himself. Um, but Mac Jones and that Patriots offense has just been terrible, right? Like they had a few good games this year against the Bills. Sure, okay. Um, you know, beat them earlier in the season, but it was never consistent. It was never enough. Mac Jones and his confidence just looks like it's been destroyed by Bill Belichick and that culture over there, which uh, is clearly dying off. Um, so I, I surely thought and put some money on the Patriots this season thinking they were going to be better than they were. The Saints, I thought the Saints would easily win the NFC South. I bet on their win total. I bet on them to win the NFC. I mean, not a lot. But I had a few futures on the New Orleans Saints this season, and that has not panned out, right? And I think it's a lesson in, you know, group behavior, right? And group development, storming, norming, forming. They took a long time to storm, form, and norm there in Nolens. And, you know, Dennis Allen, not an offensive coach. Derek Carr, pretty good quarterback, right? He's always going to be in that category of, like, good, not great. And he's looked a lot better recently, right? But it took all season for them to kind of come together. So uh, overestimated what Derek Carr and the Saints were going to be able to do down there in the South. Uh, you know, I still think the Saints team could be a good team to look at to play on next season when Derek Carr now has had a season under his belt. I hear some whispers that they could be bringing over some help offensively to make things a little more creative over there for the Saints. So a team to look out for potentially, but I was dead wrong about them succeeding this year. Of course, they, you know, uh, for what it's worth, they were playing the best football of all teams in the NFC South to end the season. They just didn't do enough early. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. I've been a Baker Mayfield um, killer <laughs> for the past few seasons. This is a version of Baker Mayfield I like. And I think he just works there for the Bucks, right? Like, we all know now that he's a good quarterback. He can keep, keep the ship afloat. Um, he can elevate some players. He's not afraid to take shots. Uh, you know, does he have the the physical abilities to to say that he's an elite quarterback in the NFL and I should be on every other State Farm commercial? No. Was it State Farm? I don't know. Whatever it was. He was on too many commercials. And I was just getting sick of his ass because he ain't that good. But he's a perfect fit for the Bucks a veteran organization that plays good defense. They've they've developed a running game in the back half of the season that's really helped Baker. And I think that's a lot of Baker, right? Kind of opening up and spreading out the offense. More success this year than Tom Brady had last year um, for those Bucks. So, you know, I'll talk about the Bucks a little bit more later, but I was wrong about Baker Mayfield and the Bucks operation. I thought they were going to be like a three or four win team. No, they won the NFC South, and they might be awfully feisty this weekend against the Eagles. 
I'm just going to mention this because it's something that really uh, chat my ass <laughs> this this season. Chargers and Chiefs. I looked forward to the Chargers facing the Chiefs all season because they played them so hard and they played them so well in the past. And that's a lesson to me to, you know, let's not look ahead too far, right? Uh, every season, the semblance of these teams, the, the identity of these teams changes a little bit. It has to. There's new players. You know, it's it's a new season with new teams they're facing, uh, new perceptions formed after the previous season. And, the, you know, the Chiefs just own, they own the Chargers again. Uh, they're probably always going to own the Chargers. And and that's all she wrote. You know, in that, in that first game, I was really thinking the Chargers were going to cover. I was really looking forward to that bet. And it did not come to fruition, which is a lesson to kind of take a step back before you look ahead like a year, you know, to betting on a team. Lastly, something I've mentioned a lot, Jalen Hurts. I haven't thought Jalen Hurts is that good, but you know what? He's better than I thought. And obviously he proved that in the Super Bowl last year. He played phenomenally well, uh, really kind of outplayed Patrick Mahomes, at least statistically he did. Po- like his poise was there the whole game. But this guy, more than that, is the beating heart of the Eagles. And when I hear these whispers or gossip or random reports from Philly that they might get rid of Jalen Hurts or make a quarterback change. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Without Jalen Hurts and his ability in the in the tush push and just his poise and leadership, I don't think the Eagles are, are anything close to how far they've gotten. We've seen, and I'm going to talk about that next and what I got right. We've seen how much Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff this year is struggling. Last year, they had the benefit of some really good offensive coordinators, not this season. And things are starting to unfold and that, you know, because of it, right? They're kind of devolve because of it. I got you wrong, buddy. You are a damn good quarterback. I would love for you to be on my team if you were a New York giant. Um, and, you know, the, la- the stupidest thing Philly could do, in my opinion, is get rid of Jalen. Because at the end of the day, his improvement, from the way he throws, his accuracy. Um, I, like, I know the offense hasn't looked great, but but he is a steady rock. He's a stabilizer for that team. Tough guy too, right? You can't, uh, you can't get rid of Jalen Hurts, he, and he's not the problem, that's for sure. What I got right, Steichen and Gannon and their prowess as offensive and defensive coordinators leaving the Eagles has made a huge impact. And we kind of saw some carryover from the previous season, Eagles just operating as they always have very successful 10 and one at the gate. But then when the road got a little more difficult, right? Dallas at Dallas 49ers. Um, you know, I mean, Lord knows freaking the Cardinals, um, the Eagles, I think they, they lack leadership in and direction um, ideologically in those situations. And they, you know, you need that from your coaching. And I, I don't know if anyone's surprised that Matt Patricia hasn't changed things on their defense. So, uh, we were dead right about the Eagles and their um, regression because Steichen and Gannon are gone. I was right about the Giants. Uh, I said to be cautious about betting on them this year. The Giants start off slow, and they started off slow again. Daniel Jones obviously didn't offer much when he was playing. I don't think he's going to offer much in the future. We were right about the Eagles in general, that in a harder schedule, uh, a bullseye on their back more challenges this year is going to affect them negatively. And it sure has. They are the fifth seed, right? They're the fifth seed in the NFC playoffs. They are not the NFC's champs. 
Um, so we have quite quite seen a downfall there. The Seahawks uh, warned people just about getting too excited about Geno Smith and the talent on this team. You know, they they shined early last season, but then teams started to figure them out, right? And we we saw them in spots where we might have seen them win last year. Just things aren't aren't coming together as much. DK Metcalf is mad. You know, Smith isn't as consistent. Their defense is young and very inconsistent. Um, and I got more to say about the Seahawks in my next segment. The Steelers, we bet on their win total. I believe it was seven and a half, or even if it was eight and a half, it wouldn't matter because Mike Tomlin did it again. A winning season from one of the worst offenses in the NFL for most of the season still won more games than he lost. Do not doubt that man, Mike Tomlin. The Jets, with or without Rodgers, I talked at length about how the Jets and their schedule and how difficult it is, and Aaron Rodgers, what he would have had with lack of protection behind that offensive line. Now we saw that for Zach Wilson. Didn't look very pristine, did it? And now we see the result, right? And and that, that offense just couldn't do much. And I think Aaron Rodgers obviously would have made it better. I still don't think the Jets are that much better overall, win-loss-wise, certainly, with Aaron Rodgers in that lineup. They need more than just Aaron Rodgers to make that offense hum. The Rams, we talked about how the Rams, they still have three giant figureheads that every team needs. You have an elite defensive tackle, right? Uh, an elite player on your defensive line. We've seen that defensive line improve as the year went on. They were one of the worst teams in sack percentages in the NFL to start the season, the first half of the season. Not anymore. Those numbers have ticked up. Aaron Donald, still there. Sean McVay, still there. And oh, by the way, guess who's still there? Matthew Stafford. And now he's going to go up against a cupcake Detroit defense. His, 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 his old team. Watch out for the Rams in the playoffs. And I am very glad that I talked <laughs> highly of them entering the season because too many people counting them out after obviously a throwaway season, a, a developmental season last year with Stafford out. But this is a different team with Stafford in. It just is a different team. And, and certainly Puka Nakua and uh, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup being healthy, have, have, have helped. I think they combined for something like uh, you know, 2,200 yards this season. Dynamic duo. Kyron Williams, too. Yeah, you think Sean McVay knows how to develop these players, especially on offense? Uh, yeah. All right. What to watch out for next year? I'm going to breeze through this too because I know we got to get to these wild card games. I don't know how much I'm going to bet on the Cincinnati Bengals early in the season because they do this every fucking year. They start off slow. They stumble. They lose games that we're all scratching our head. Like they get their ass beat by the Browns in that one game. Like, what are we doing here, Bengals? Um, so even if Joe Burrow comes back, you know, he, he put out that tweet or Instagram return of the Jedi. Okay, Joe, I love Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals are a Super Bowl contender as long as he's there, but there's something going on with how they start off slowly. And maybe Joe Burrow won't be hurt to start the season this year. I'm, that's a big part of it, but I don't, I'm going to be cautious about how much I trust them. The Giants as well. Like, let's not get too excited about the New York Giants and how they looked in their final five or six games. Did they look better? Yes. Did we see a lot of great effort, especially on defense? Yes. Um, you know, Saquon and some of the offense too coming alive? Sure. But now that's two seasons in a row where Brian Dayball kind of like gets the team rallying throughout the season. And at the end of the season, they're the best. The Giants got to do that at the start 
of the season. And I don't know, guys. Like, I don't they still don't have the talent. So watch out for the Giants early as well. Stumbling, bumbling, fumbling. I would expect a little bit of regression from the Bucs. Like, this was a fun year for Tampa, right? Baker Mayfield kind of taking the world by surprise, the football world by surprise. But for that to happen two years in a row, a team that's just getting older, right? A lot of veterans, that's one way to say it, or you can say they're getting older. Um, and, and uh, you know, Todd Bowles is a good, not great coach. Sorry. But, you know, the guy, like, he's like a broom out there, right? Like, does the guy ever yell or anything? I, I don't know. So, like, it worked out this year because of Baker's tenacity, I think, and kind of getting the team to rally. The second year of that, that's going to be a tone change, a vibe change, and I don't know if I trust them as much next season. Titans as well. No Mike Rabel. Good luck. That some bitch elevated your roster, elevated your potential every season, even without a lot of great offense. And of course, after GM, I forget his name, but after the GM sent AJ Brown to Philly, I wonder why their offense started to regress. I mean, AJ Brown is is one of the top wide receivers in this league, and that big ass target being gone, you know, you took away a huge, huge X factor for the Titans' offense. Kirk Cousins should be <laughs> heralded and celebrated and appreciated because look at the Minnesota Vikings and their sporadic offense without Kirk Cousins right? Who moves in the pocket well, who's an ace thrower, uh, just just gives that organization stability. I would look out for the Vikings to be a better team next year with a healthy Kirk Cousins and second year Brian Flores, uh, you know, developing an already aggressive defense even more. Keep on looking at the, te- uh, the Houston Texans. I almost said Tennessee Texans. Okay. Houston Texans as an elevating and growing team because they have the parts to be a winning team already. That's why they're in the playoffs. That's why they won the South. Um, But they're only going to get better, right? Like when you have a franchise QB, when you have a coach who the players believe in, when you have an elite defensive end and Will Anderson is probably going to win defensive rookie of the year, you have the pieces to build around. This team is only going to get better. Watch out for the Houston Texans. Changes in Miami, I think, might be coming. They just need a little bit more. They need a little bit more on defense. I mean, they have all the offensive talent that they could ever hope for, but maybe they need something there too. Maybe they need like another elite offensive tackle or uh, guard or or something because uh, when Tua is in this high, in these high pressure spots against better teams, he's not very good. You know, he's at best he's average, and we've we've been seeing this now for two seasons in a row. So just be careful with the Dolphins, who have been a fun watch. Uh, really good against bad teams, but changes I think are coming to Miami. Certainly not with Mike McDaniel. I think Tua stays. I'm just saying something has to elevate this team because right now it's not enough. Not not with the talent and the potential that they do have already. Like right there, there got to be. Some, I'm just looking at. I'm trying to dissect all these teams and what they need. Hard to pinpoint what exactly they need. But you know, it, it, I'll tell you this: if they if we see another year of like. Eh, so-so performances by Tua, as close as him and McDaniel are. I don't think that continues. How much more does Pete Carroll have in him? Because the Seattle Seahawks, in a few spots to end their season, just did not look like the same Pete Carroll-led Seattle Seahawks team. That man is over 70 years old. 
He looks healthy. He looks like he's more athletic than most 20-year-olds I know. But at a certain point, you got to hang it up, right? And at a certain point, I don't know if the team is responding to you anymore. The Atlanta Falcons still, in my opinion, are one good coach and one good quarterback away from being a playoff team. If they get both of those things this offseason, that's a good team. If they don't, if they don't, I'm going to continue to fade those Atlanta Falcons. All right, the Browns at the Texans. Browns two and a half point favorites, totals 44 and a half. We're just going to talk spreads on this show unless I have something really strong to say about a total, which I might have for one or two games. But focusing on the spread, focusing on what the market is telling us. And, you know, the Browns destroyed the the Texans a few weeks ago, of course, without C.J. Stroud. Uh, That game was also at at Houston, I believe. Uh, Listen, this Browns defense is very legit. And when they're motivated, uh, very difficult to find success against. Uh, I just don't know if the Texans wide receivers are going to get enough separation. C.J. Stroud trusts his arm. I think he's still going to needle some passes in there. I think the Texans are going to be real feisty in this game. Like, I don't hate the Texans as a teaser leg. I just do think that Flacco and the Browns and what they're producing here, because they have a ton of talent on offense too. And, and, you know, Flacco is kind of the stabilizer for them, right? He just kind of sits back there. He's confident. He knows what he's doing, knows how to make his reads. If they can just prevent Will Anderson from getting from Flacco in this contest, I think there is a possibility that the Browns control most of this game. When you have a quarterback, though, as elite as C.J. Stroud has shown that he is, and he has some marks this season that are better than any other quarterback in the NFL, right? His first season, like that's prodigy shit, okay? That's the biggest differentiator in these games. And we've seen him keep his team in some of these contests, really tough contests, for what it's worth to start the season against the now number one seeded Baltimore Ravens. Houston gave them all they can handle in that game. The very first game, right, of D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud's uh, tenure there for the Texans. So they can fight, and I'm, I'm counting on them fighting. I just don't know if it's going to be enough, right? We, we're going to see some situations this weekend, and this is, I think, an angle to consider, where you're seeing some new exciting teams in the mix, right? You're seeing the Lions. You're seeing the Packers. You know, you're seeing the Dolphins again. I mean, Dolphins made it last year too, but, you know, you're seeing the Texans, right? And they're kind of going up against these teams with more experience, more experienced quarterback, more experienced coaches, um, and, and, and that is something significant to think about here, right? Because we see this often, right? Like in the regular season, there might be a lot of zany, uh, volatile results, but in the playoffs, the best teams typically, especially if they have experience in these playoffs before they really start to show out. The Browns have been here before. Stefanski has been to the playoffs before Lord knows Joe Flacco has been on the grandest stages before CJ Stroud is still a young kid. And all it takes is one trip up, which we don't see a lot from him, but to give the Browns an opportunity to kind of really take over this game. That's the side I would lean. But, you know, C.J. Stroud and what he does out there, it is extremely legit, extremely formidable. Dolphins at the Chiefs, the biggest problem and the reason why the spread is probably going up in this game for Kansas City opened at minus three and a half. Now it's minus four and a half. It's because the weather is going to be absolutely awful, like bitter cold Sub-zero feel, uh, you know, windy, arrowhead, 
the Chiefs know how to play in this weather. They do have the better defense. Their defense has been kind of keeping them in games and making big plays all season. Uh, they got elite cornerback play from Ladarius Sneed. Chris Jones plays his best football in these playoffs. And the Miami Dolphins, who I talked about before, when they go on the road, but especially when they face a better team, their offense is very questionable, especially especially in the second half. Like They kind of fizzle out. We've seen that a few times now. Defense is a bend-don't-break operation, and certainly Mahomes and those wide receivers have been dropping a lot of balls. Like It's hard to have faith in the Chiefs' offense completely right now. But let's just remember who they are, okay? We got Kelsey. We got Mahomes. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be healthy for this one. They're healthy. They've had two weeks to plan. It's Andy Reid at home. It is hard. It will be hard to not take the Chiefs. At four and a half, I'd like that less. But it's going to be hard. Dolphins are a prolific team with a lot of potential. But in that environment at Arrowhead in the cold, just does not seem suited for those Miami Dolphins. Now, the Bills at Orchard Park, which is the uh, Sunday 1 o'clock game, that's that's kind of suited for the Steelers, right? Like, they're used to sloppy weather. Look at that game last week against the Ravens in the, in the muck and the rain. Steelers are running the ball very efficiently, 470 yards on the ground the last three weeks. Mason Rudolph has been a stabilizer for them, a steady rock, however you want to say it. No interceptions right? Uh, over 700 yards in three games, 74% completion percentage. The kid's not done a lot wrong, but you got to expect that to regress a little bit here, right? This is Orchard Park. This is Bill's Mafia, Josh Allen and his home road splits. Like everything goes up, improves for the Bills when they're at home at Orchard Park and, you know, points, yards, all that stuff. Defensively, they play better as well. Um, it, it, even at a huge spread like this, right? It's a, it's a 10 point spread and a total of 36 because it's going to be snowy and windy in Buffalo, which should be a lot of fun to watch. But even at that low total, it's tough for me to not see like a 23 to seven, uh, you know, 21 to three, 24 to 10 type of game where the, the bills just can find ways to score because of Josh Allen and his mobility and, and, you know, let's face it, his howitzer, that even in the wind, he's going to be able to get the ball downfield a little bit more than Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. And Mason Rudolph is, is, a, is a game manager. He's smart. He's tough. Is he going to be able to elevate the Steelers' offense in this environment at Buffalo against a Buffalo defense that statistically might not shine in a lot of ways? But we know Sean McDermott can have his guys play up, right? Like they, and and I, I think they can certainly stop the run. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren have been great, but I think this Bills defense is going to be up to the task. So, I mean, it's it's a tough one with the spread and the total. I think it's the toughest game of the week, but I would lean Bills and I would still lean under. Packers and Cowboys, the 430, you know, the, the traditional evening spot on Sunday. And what a nice little convenient spot for the Dallas Cowboys because they're seven and a half point favorites. Fifty and a half is the total. And again, I think this might be a case of just the better, more experienced team, as well as Jordan Love has played, right? And he's all over the media this week, right? I, I, again, uh, I'm I'm ashamed that I bet on the Bears last weekend uh, because they just play scared, no matter who's playing at quarterback for the Packers. And Jordan Love has played really well. And we saw him on Thanksgiving torch the Lions secondary in a dome, right? Like Jordan Love can have success in this game. 
This is, but this ain't the Lions secondary. This is the Dallas Cowboys at home where they do their best work. I think the, the Packers are going to have to keep pace with probably a 34, 35, 38-point game for the Cowboys at home because as well as the Packers defense has played in spots, let's look at who they faced recently, right? They Okay, they beat the Bears last week. And then they torched the Vikings, who were all over the place right now. And then they torched the Packers, right? And their and their defense held those three teams: the Bears, Vikings, the Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, Vikings, and the Panthers and Bryce Young to uh, a limited amount of offense. Okay, nice. That that this is not those teams, right? The Dallas Cowboys at home are the best offense in the NFL. Like Cowboys at home, right? Cowboys on the road, no. Right. But the Cowboys, you know, I know I know Dolphins at home. They have a lot of first place marks. That 70 point game contributes a lot to that. Um, You know, but we've seen the back half of the season. Miami Dolphins not as crisp. This Dallas Cowboys offense is the juggernaut when they're at home. And the Packers and Jordan Love are going to have to go toe to toe, pace to pace, keep up with the Cowboys. I don't think they're stopping them. And that's that's the way I'm looking at this game. Rams and Lions, battle of Stafford and Goff. Goff is going to be pissed off in this game too, by the way. Like you, you think Goff is motivated to go up against the team that sent him away, the coach that sent him away? Oh, yeah. He's going to be motivated. The thing is, Matthew Stafford is just better. Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback in the NFC, if you ask me. Has made some unbelievable throws all season. Has been very efficient. Only two interceptions, I believe, the past six weeks or so. Uh, I got to check my uh, write-ups, but I believe that's true. I, I, I know it's only it's only two interceptions since the start of December. Okay, so Stafford playing smart football, excellent throws. Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, obviously as dynamic a duo as it gets in the NFL. And how in the hell are the Rams secondary and the Rams defense going to stop them? Right, like you you better get Aiden Hutchinson all over Matthew Stafford from the start to finish of this game or else I don't think you can stop this Rams offense. Now, the Detroit offense as well, right? The Rams defense, pretty good, average, pretty stout against the run, average against the pass. Um, I mean, they're top 10 in yards per pass allowed. But, you know, Goff and the Lions offense can get some – they can get some success, right? I mean, and they have a lot of talent too, and they're at home, okay? So this is probably the highest scoring game of the weekend in my opinion. But it, it was at three and a half. Now it's at three. It's tough. It's tough for me to not want to bet on the Rams here, right? I mean, the Rams, again, I talked about it at the start of the podcast, right? You still have McVay. You still have Donald. You still have Stafford. You have the main ingredients of what you need for a championship, and you can build around them. And we've seen them build around those guys. Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, guys on defense stepping up as well. Young players getting better every week. This is the most dangerous team in the in the in the NFL playoffs, if you ask me. You know, but besides the Ravens and the 49ers. Uh, but who wants to face the Rams right now? If you get a three and a half here, I take that. If you get a three, I take that. I think the Rams might win this game straight up. And I, I feel bad because I am my wife's family, big Lions fans, Michigan strong and all that stuff. And I love the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. I love the kneecap mentality and all that shit. But Matthew Stafford, they're not going to blink an eye. You know, Sean McVay, they're not going to blink an eye at that stuff. So I think either way, this is a high-scoring game because one quarterback is going to be chasing the other in a dome, right? Like there's no inclement weather or anything like that. Um, 
but I but I it's it's tough to not support the Rams here. Eagles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the game that I've given the least attention to so far. It's very hard to handicap. We've seen the Eagles dominate the Bucs earlier this season, but those feel like, I mean, it, two different versions of those teams, right? Um, and it's just like on the road, Philly now, like you, it's it kind of depressing, right? Like they were in the Super Bowl last year, a lot of the same parts. Like I know the coordinators are gone. I know they lost some guys on defense, lost a tiny bit on offense, but this is a lot of the same parts. The same figureheads are there. And now they're on the road at Tampa. Like this is their first playoff game. I think there's like an expectation for the Eagles to win. So it's not like motivation. It's not fire. It's not like, uh, let's go. You know, it's not like excitement. It's it's an expectation for them to win. And I think that pressure is really, really getting to Nick Sirianni and maybe even starting to get to Jalen Hurts, certainly getting to guys like A.J. Brown. I think the Eagles have to be very careful, very careful in this spot. I would not be surprised if the Eagles were booted out in the first round of the playoffs they're going through a lot right now they are the better team but that's what makes this situation right this game so difficult so difficult to handicap i really don't have any other thoughts on that for now we will likely have a write-up on that game at sportswagers.ca where you can get all my free picks sportswagers.ca um on on monday but for now no bets and no thoughts on that game very tough to handicap uh, as hard as Bills and Steelers, I guess. I said that was the hardest. I think that Bucks and Eagles might be the hardest. All right. Thank you for listening. Longer podcast this week. We got a lot to talk about. We got the regular season. We got the wild card playoffs. Thanks for sticking with me, everybody. Please support me at Farley Best. Give me a follow. Give me a like in this podcast. Give us a five-star rating. I don't do this for any money, even though I pay money to have this damn podcast going. I do it because I like to stay relevant. I like to communicate my philosophies and strategies and thoughts. And of course, give you all some free thoughts and free picks to help your bankrolls grow. Love the industry. I love betting. I don't love the a-holes out there and there's plenty of them, but let's avoid them. Let's win this weekend. Let's get some damn money. See you all next week.